Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The church appeared a massive flame, and while the storm did rage... A black and fearful monster came, all eyes he did engage. Hello, I'm your host, Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about... The Devil's Hounds. So first of all, we need to give a shout out to a new patron. Danny Bell. We really, really appreciate your support and hope you enjoy the extra episodes that you'll receive every Wednesday. If you'd like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can come and join us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash The Whispering Woods. Right, everybody, I've got a really special announcement because I am tinkering with things I'm t- <gasps> I'm tinkering with sound now if you if you don't wear headphones that's fine hopefully it won't matter but what I'm what I'm tinkering with is surround like 8D sound effects so if you're listening without headphones and you'd like to grab them 
press pause now and we'll get on with it. But yeah, let us know what you think. So it's 8D, so it's meant to surround your brain with noise and make you feel like you're actually in the story. So I'm just playing about with it at this stage. But yeah, let us know. Let me know what you think, everybody. Yeah. Yeah? So you've heard some of it anyway, haven't you? Yeah. Like the laugh and the and the noise. And I think I think it's okay. But I'm no sound expert. So yeah, let us know what you think. Right. Devil's Hounds, Black Dogs, Grim, all sorts of names. Do you know anything about these creatures? Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know I prefer hounds. Hounds. <laughs> it's a much better word. As promised, we're doing a British folklore episode. Um, we're just one specific topic this time. So it is, is all about the Devil's Hounds. Um, because these dogs are seen all over the British Isles. So I've done quite a long introductory piece. And then I've got one true story. Yes. Are you ready for the introduction? Yes, I am. Throughout Britain, sightings of spectral black dogs are common and deeply ingrained in British folklore. These supernatural creatures are feared and revered in equal measure, with each region having its own version of a phantom hound. In Yorkshire, the Barguest or Padfoot is said to roam, while Hertfordshire is menaced by the lean dog. Lancashire is home to the Grim, and Lincolnshire is haunted by the infamous Hairy Jack. Even Devon is not immune with the presence of the Yeth Hound. Other counties, such as Bedfordshire, Surrey and Wiltshire, have also reported sightings of black dogs. Wales and Scotland have their own unique legends of spectral hounds too. However, of all these tales, one stands out as the most terrifying and infamous, that of Black Shuck. The shores of the Suffolk coast are renowned for their rich tapestry of ancient lore and legends. With one particularly haunting tale of a spectral hound known as Black Shuck. According to local legend, this otherworldly creature prowls the rugged coastline and verdant countryside of East Anglia. With its name thought to stem from the archaic term sucker, meaning devil. For countless generations, the inhabitants of the Suffolk coast have shared stories of a massive black dog whose malevolent gaze is said to burn with the intensity of flames born from hell. The folklore surrounding Black Shuck varies, but it is generally believed to be a harbinger of death and misfortune. As per reports, the monstrous creature's size and structure vary greatly, ranging from that of a mere large dog to that of a calf or even a horse. Black Shuck is said to have been spotted in different forms, sometimes headless 
and at other times hovering on the bed of mist. This apparition is known to haunt the East Anglian landscapes, especially the coastline, graveyards, byways, intersections, water bodies and shadowy forests. Its notorious appearance in 1577 at Bungay and Blithburg has become a well-known anecdote, and images of ominous black dogs have become a part of the region's iconography. According to the tale, a massive black dog, accompanied by a deafening thunderclap, burst into St Mary's Church in Bungay on August the 4th, 1577, during a violent storm. It raced up the aisle, past a throng of parishioners, and savagely killed a man and a child. The visitation caused the church's spire to crumble and pierced the ceiling before the hound departed for Blithburg Church, where it inflicted fatal injuries on more victims. Locals attribute the hound to that of the devil, and the imprints of the beast are scorched into the door at the entrance of the church. They are known as the devil's fingerprints, and are still visible to this day. The church appeared a mass of flame, and while the storm did rage, a black and fearful monster came, all eyes he did engage. All down the church in mist fire, the hellish monster flew, and passing onward to the choir, he many people slew. Many were stricken to the ground, whereof they strangely died, and many others there were found, wounded on every side. The church itself was rent and torn, the clock in pieces broke. Two men who in the belfry sat were killed upon the spot. Anonymous. In 1850, the Reverend E.S. Taylor documented the haunting tale of Blackshire. In his writings, he described the creature to be a large, shaggy black dog with fiery eyes that would appear in East Norfolk and even Cambridgeshire. According to local law, Black Shuck would visit churchyards at midnight, leaving all those that encountered it in a state of terror. Decades later, in 1901, historian William Dutt delved further into the story of Black Shuck in his book Highways and Byways in East Anglia. Dutch wrote that the creature would take the form of a massive black dog, prowling along dark lanes and lonesome field footpaths. Despite its haunting howls, Black Shuck's footsteps would make no sound, causing fear to those who crossed its path. The most striking feature of Black Shuck, according to Dutt, was his fiery eye which was located in the centre of his head like the Cyclops of myth. Those who were unlucky enough to encounter Black Shuck were warned that their death would occur before the year's end. Such a meeting was considered a bad omen and often brought the worst of luck. So you will do well to shut your eyes if you hear him howling, 
Shut them, even if you are uncertain whether it's the dog fiend or the voice of the wind you hear. Should you never set eyes on our Norfolk Snarlyow, you may perhaps doubt his existence. And, like other learned folks, tell us that his story is nothing but the old Scandinavian myth of the Black Hound of Odin, brought to us by the Vikings who long ago settled down on the Norfolk coast. In the vicinity of Ipswich lies Barn, where a series of eerie tales all converge around the year 1917. F.W. Kent, a warrener, shared his chilling encounter with a monstrous canine in a letter published in the East Anglian Magazine's Volume 6, Number 9 issue of 1947. Around 30 years ago, on a late-night stroll back home from setting traps with a companion. We encountered this hellish hound near the Barham Hall gates on the main Norwich Road, he recounted. The creature, with its rough fur and piercing luminescent eyes, stood about two and a half feet tall and began to pursue the men as they passed by. One moment it was at our heels and the next moment it had vanished. I struck it very hard with the stick I was carrying, but the stick went right through it. Had it been an ordinary dog, the blow would have killed it. It bounded away down Barham Church Lane, crossed the main Ipswich Norwich Road and disappeared through a solid brick wall. That was the last I saw of it. On sombre evenings... Another tragic tale of a shaggy black dog is told. As the story goes, a driver collided with a massive spectral dog on the outskirts of the Brecht. In a terrifying turn of events, the dog erupted into flames upon impact, and within mere days, the driver met his untimely demise. During the summer, of 1977, the Borderline Science Investigation Group's publication, Lantern, featured an article written by Ivan Bunn detailing the infamous Norfolk Beast. Bunn recounted a harrowing tale of a sighting at Rocklands that resulted in tragedy. A fateful encounter with the notorious hound on a lane in 1893 and the perilous consequences of disregarding warnings to steer clear of possible emissaries of the devil. A man and his companion were making their way down a desolate lane. As they drove on, a massive dog appeared right before them. Despite his friend's warnings, the driver continued. But as their cart collided with the creature... Flames erupted from nowhere and a repulsive, sulfuric odour filled the air. Sadly, the driver perished soon after and the mysterious shut has not been sighted in the area since. He stated, One of the legendary traits of Shuck's character is his alleged ability to predict death. The legend suggests that those who come across him will either experience misfortune, typically death, 
within a short period of time, or someone close to them will suffer. However, some versions of the legend include an escape clause, where only those who mention their encounter within 12 months will face misfortune. Out of 74 collected stories, only 17 directly attributed death to the sighting of Shuck, adding to the ambiguity of the legend. The scent of sulphur has been noted by many who have experienced supernatural occurrences, and its presence has been documented since ancient times by both biblical figures and Greek scholars. Additionally, individuals who report encounters with extraterrestrial crafts or beings often mention the distinct aroma of sulphur. Inverse, an American website focused on technology, science and culture, recently shed light on the connection between the devil and sulphur. The belief that the two are linked has some basis in reality, as sulphur is the source of the foul odour associated with rotten eggs. It is a gas that naturally collects below ground, making up around 0.05% of the Earth's crust. This abundance explains why people in ancient times were familiar with it, referring to it as brimstone. This term is still used today in the phrase fire and brimstone, which is a common theme in Christian sermons condemning sinners to eternal damnation. Sulfuric gas can only make its presence felt above ground through vents, which are typically volcanic in nature. This further solidifies the association between its stench and the fires of hell. Not all encounters with black shuck have been violent. Some people claim to have seen the dog simply wandering the countryside, or even accompanying them on their travels. In some stories, Black Shuck is considered to be a protector of travellers and a good omen. Roaming the county of Lincolnshire, one may come across the infamous Hairy Jack. This black canine is often likened to Black Shuck, with local legends claiming that merely catching a glimpse of it can render one immobile. Hairy Jack is no ordinary dog towering over domestic hounds and boasting a coat as dark as the midnight sky. Some even whisper of his eyes, which are said to glow with a ferocity unlike any other. In Folklore, published in 1938, Ethel Rudkin recounts her experience with Harry Jack, whom she perceived as a guardian of sorts. Although this may seem unusual, it is not uncommon for certain black dogs to be regarded as the spirits of animals who died while protecting their owners. These spirits are believed to accompany travellers through dangerous terrain, offering them protection and guidance along the way. Deep within the heart of Lancashire lies the infamous Striker. This malevolent entity is known to lurk within the shadows of dark alleyways and crossroads where the veil between the physical and spiritual realms is at its thinnest. Unlike other black dog apparitions, Skryker prefers to remain unseen, but its bone-chilling wail 
can be heard echoing through the night. This piercing shriek is known to be a harbinger of doom, signalling the arrival of death. Those unfortunate enough to encounter Skryker may also hear the distinct sound of wet footsteps padding relentlessly towards them, leaving them with a sense of dread that lingers long after the encounter has ended. Newgate Prison in London was erected atop the Newgate in the city walls. It gained a reputation as the most infamous and hazardous jail in London from 1188 to 1902. Whether you committed theft, robbery or owed a debt, Newgate was the place you'd end up in. Inside the jail, you'd be incarcerated in a squalid cell, awaiting trial in front of royal judges. Due to the overcrowding, the prisoners were despondent and food was scarce. During a time of extreme famine, a new prisoner was tossed into the jail. This particular inmate was a scholar with a thin build. The other prisoners who were starving and desperate saw him as an opportunity to feed themselves. They quickly made the decision to attack him, knowing he was no match for their strength. They tore him apart and fought over his flesh like a group of ravenous animals. This gruesome act was just the start of the horror. As the sun set the following day, the prison was filled with spine-chilling howls and growls. Fear-stricken, the inmates clung to each other, but there was no saving them from the enormous dark beast that materialised from the darkness. Unbeknownst to them, the scholar was imprisoned for practising witchcraft. In the shape of a dog, he came back to avenge his death and punish those who had feasted on his flesh. He devoured every individual who had consumed his body, leaving none behind. In Yorkshire folklore, there exists a fabled creature known as the Bargust. This legendary goblin dog is said to possess monstrous teeth and claws, and is known to emerge under the cover of darkness to prey on hapless travellers. Those who are unfortunate enough to lay eyes on this malvolent being are said to be doomed. But even a fleeting glimpse of the Bargus is believed to foretell one's demise within mere months. According to a few legends, in order to evade the Bargus, one must cross a flowing body of water with their eyes shut, as the apparition is incapable of crossing over. However, even if you were to avoid looking at it, a mere swipe from its paw could inflict a wound that would never properly heal. This specific dark canine is so strongly linked to demise that it's believed to rest in front of the entrance of a home where an individual is about to pass away. It's also rumoured to guide a pack of mournful dogs through the streets, following a significant death. The enigmatic tale of Padfoot, a local legend in Leeds, may have served as a source of inspiration for J.K. Rowling when she bestowed the nickname Padfoot upon the Animagus, 
Sirius Black in her novel Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. The moniker is fitting as the creature is believed to trail its victims with a soft padding sound, occasionally accompanied by the clank of chains. Similar to the ominous Barkers, encountering Padfoot is considered an ill omen, and like the Malvern Skriker, the beast is capable of unleashing a blood-curdling howl. Engaging with or attempting to communicate with Padfoot is an ill-advised decision. Legend has it that this action will leave you defenceless against the creature's power, and you may find yourself compelled to carry out its deadly plans. A single reckless individual is rumoured to have kicked the Padfoot, only to be mercilessly dragged through ditches for miles before being unceremoniously dumped at his doorstep. The Gwailigi, or Dog of Darkness, is a mythical dog hailing from Wales, striking fear with its monstrous appearance resembling either a mastiff or black wolf, reminiscent of a dire wolf. With fiery red eyes and menacing breath, the name is a compound noun derived from Gwiliet, or Gwil, meaning wild or twilight, respectively, and Si, which translates to dog. Back in 1930, T. Gwyn Jones, a well-known folklorist, recounted a chilling experience that happened to his own grandmother. According to his grandmother, as she and her husband were riding their horses on their way to Ruthin, they passed by a roadside house when suddenly their horse became agitated and veered towards the hedge. As they looked towards the other side, they saw a towering mastiff passing by. Strangely, only the horse ridden by his grandmother was spooked, and no one else seemed to notice the massive dog. After the incident, they learned that the house they had passed by was believed to be haunted, which made the experience even more frightening. In the 1920s, a former sergeant of the Denbyshire Yiu Munry, named Edward Jones, shared a shocking tale. He resided in the untamed southern region of the county and had just finished attending the Sinwid Fair when he journeyed back on horseback. As he made his way across the desolate moors towards his isolated farm, a chilling realisation dawned on him. He was being trailed by Gwilligi with a bloodthirsty glare. He dubbed the creature the Black Hound of Destiny due to its ominous presence that seemed to stalk him relentlessly. Always ready to pounce, but never quite following through, the hairs on his neck stood on end as he felt the creature's breath on his skin, but he managed to reach his home unscathed. The legend of Muckle Black Tyke in Scottish folklore tells of a colossal black dog that oversees witches' sabbaths. Some versions of the story even suggest that the creature is the devil himself. One evening, a worker at the Tomitin distillery was making his way home from work when he spotted a terrifying spectral hound darting through the forest. The snarling beast drew closer, 
but instead of being afraid, the man reached out to touch the ethereal creature. To his surprise, the dog dissipated into a blue mist, leaving him in awe. This eerie encounter inspired the distillery to create Tomatin Kubokan, which translates to ghost dog. Conan Doyle's famous Sherlock Holmes novel, The Hound of the Baskervilles, was inspired by numerous reports of black dogs stalking Devon's Dartmoor. However, the moorland is now allegedly being haunted by large black cats, spotted at night with their eyes glowing in the dark. It's a curious thought that these cats may be as supernatural as the black dogs and could also be apparitions, since none have ever been captured. Despite the varying stories surrounding black dogs, its legend has endured throughout the centuries, and the ghost dog continues to be a popular figure in British folklore and popular culture. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, these dogs, or should I say hounds, do you know they've even got one in Lyme Regis, your favourite seaside place? <gasps> Is it? Yeah, apparently. Um, apparently there's a, far- a farmhouse and it was haunted by a black dog. It didn't cause anybody any harm at all. But one night, the master of the, the farm, um, he got drunk and he tried to attack it with an iron poker. Mm. Right. Um, so the dog flew up into the attic, leapt out through, and it leapt apparently leapt out through the ceiling. And when the master, when he struck the spot where the dog had vanished, he dis- discovered a hidden cache of gold and silver. Now the dog was never seen again indoors, but he is seen along the lane, which he haunts at midnight. So, and they call it Dog Lane. And apparently dogs that are allowed to sort of roam around that area mysteriously disappear to this day. Mm. There's a li- there's a bed and breakfast in Lyme Regis called the Old Black Dog. So next time you're there with Dad, you'll have to go and have a look at it. I think yeah. I've seen it. It rings a bell to me. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen it. But yeah, check it out next time you're there with Dor- Dad. Dog? <laughs> dog? Dog? <laughs> Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Be worth a look, won't it? Mm. And also, do you, have you heard of the Hound of the Baskervilles? Nah. 
Right, it's a really famous um, Sherlock Holmes story. What I can tell you is, Roger is actually related to the Baskervilles. It's a family. Who's that? This area that... Um, so it's written about the Moors, and there are the, apparently these demon dogs, right? Hounds. Yeah. And the Sherlock Holmes story is based on this family because they're the ones, I think, being terrorised by the hounds, and they're called the Baskervilles. Yeah. But they were a real family in Devon. Um, I think it's Devon, Dorset. And Roger is related to them. Mm. How is he related to them? I don't, I don't know. We'll have to get some more information out of him. But I know he is. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. It is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I'll ask him and we'll feed some more information to everyone. Yeah. Oh! Right, I have experienced my own black hound. Is when, it? Yeah, when I was little, or younger, in a teenager where we used to live, um, one of our neighbours had a black Alsatian. Right? Mm. And it was terrifying, this dog. It was called Cass. And I remember um, it was two sisters, and one lived on our street and the other lived on the street in front. So their back garden faced onto our little street. And once I saw this dog come in and I was always frightened of this dog. So like a black German shepherd and it used to bark a lot and it was big and it was completely a hound, without doubt. <laughs> and I saw it come in towards me, racing towards me, and I was too far to run back home. So instead, I attempted to jump over a six-foot hedge. <laughs> well, actually, I did... Well, no, I didn't jump. I just kind of crashed through this hedge, right, into somebody else's garden, <laughs> trying to get away from this dog, because it really frightened me. I always, I'm still a little bit afraid of dogs, not so much now since we have Boo, but in particular, German Shepherds terrified me as a kid. Shepherds. Ger- yeah, German, <laughs> no, German Shepherd, which is an Alsatian dog. They petrified me. And I then, love dogs. Yeah, I know, but these ones, I don't know what it is, but they, they're still, I'm still really wary of these dogs, particularly black, a black one. Yeah, so I jumped, kind of pretty much just like planted myself over this hedge and then it couldn't get me, so it carried on up to its house and I kind of rolled out of this garden <laughs> with like twigs and leaves all stuck in me and then just carried on. Walking down the street. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my experience with the black dog. (laughs) Right, are you ready for the story? Yes, I am. Throughout my 26 years on this earth, I have encountered numerous paranormal experiences. And living atop an old hospital which has its own intriguing history, has only strengthened my belief in the unknown. Being someone with autism, I tend to analyse and question everything around me. Yet there are some occurrences that defy logic and reason, leaving me with no explanation. From my earliest memories, there's one encounter that stands out among the rest. It's as if this moment in time has been etched into my mind 
and I can recall every detail with absolute clarity. I've shared this story with family and friends before, but only in brief terms. Some who believe in supernatural occurrences hang on my every word, while others who are more sceptical dismiss it as a mere dream. But the truth is, it was too vivid and lifelike to simply be written off as a nightmare. Even though I sometimes wonder if it really happened, I know deep down that it was something much more than just a figment of my imagination. For the first time ever, I am writing down my story in full. It's all thanks to a recent conversation with my nan about that night, which has finally allowed me to complete the narrative. Brace yourselves, as this is a lengthy account. Set during my childhood when I was approximately seven years old. Nevertheless, I will try to get down every single detail of the event. So without further ado, let me delve into my story. In the summer of 2002, my family decided to spend a holiday in the quaint seaside town of Morfaniffin, located in North Wales. My siblings and I were rather young, with me being seven years old, my brother aged five, and my baby sister just about to celebrate her first birthday. Our party also included my grandparents and my Aunt Laura, and we were all eager to spend some quality time together. To make our journey more comfortable, my grandparents generously paid for the holiday letting, and they rented a spacious people carrier, ensuring that we could all travel together without any disagreements about who would ride with whom. This was a welcome change from previous holidays, where we would argue about riding with our nan and grandad. As we arrived at the holiday let, I remember being struck with awe at the massive white building looming before us. I couldn't help but wonder how expensive the rent must have been. So I asked my grandmother, but she casually dismissed my query with the response, it was affordable. She wanted us to enjoy our stay without worrying over expenses as we weren't that well off. It was to be considered a treat I gazed up at the towering white structure before me in wonder. The house was split in two levels, each boasting a spacious living room and kitchen diner. With a total of 14 bedrooms, it was more of a grand mansion than a mere house. The garden was equally impressive, sloping up the steep hill behind the property. However, My parents forbid us from playing there due to the treacherous landscape and protruding rocks. Nonetheless, I begged my dad to let me explore the back patio, where a peculiar pair of birds had nested in the small passageway by the back door. My nan informed me that they were swifts, which only heightened my fascination with these beautiful creatures. Growing up in the city... I was accustomed to seeing pigeons and house sparrows, making these swifts a beautiful sight to behold. As an animal-loving autistic person, the sight of the birds was thrilling. However, 
The most exciting aspect of this new house was the opportunity to choose a room for myself. At home, my siblings and I were crammed into a small two-bedroom house, typical of council estate living. The prospect of spending a week in my own bed in a room of my own, away from my brother and sister, was, for me, more than amazing. After scouring the house, I selected a room on the ground floor, at the end of a long corridor, furthest from the other rooms. By sheer luck, I was the only one in that corridor. My parents had chosen a room a little further down, allowing them to keep an eye on my brother and me. My brother too had chosen a room as far from me as possible. As the sun began to set, my parents and grandparents were upstairs, sipping wine and chatting. I decided to go to bed to relax and let the long car ride fade into a mountain of pillows and deep sleep. Knowing that I could sleep without disturbance from my siblings was a gift to be cherished. But, little did I know that my peaceful sleep would not last long. On the first night, I slept soundly and woke up feeling fresh and rejuvenated, excited about a day of exploring with my family along the beach and local area. However, the second night proved to be a stark contrast. After a wonderful dinner and some TV time, my brother and I ventured out to the patio. As the sun gradually set, my father called us inside to get ready for bed. I was captivated by the swift's nest and begged my dad to let me stay and watch the parents return, fearing the eggs would be lonely. To my bewilderment, There was no sign of the mother bird, and her eggs remained unhatched. My father dismissed my concerns, insisting that the mother was sound asleep as I ought to be. Crestfallen, I trailed behind him and headed to my room to get my pyjamas, only to suddenly stop in my tracks. The hallway leading to my room looked darker than it had the night before. I hesitated feeling an overwhelming sense of danger and unease. My skin prickled with fear and I couldn't shake the feeling that something was lurking in the shadows, waiting to pounce. I couldn't bring myself to venture down the corridor. Trembling, I bolted to the living room where my parents sat. I begged them to let me sleep somewhere else, consumed by terror and on the verge of a complete breakdown. My dad began to offer a compromise, suggesting I switch rooms with my brother, but my mother interrupted. Stop being a baby, she snapped. You pick that room and you're stuck with it. It would be years before I realised just how toxic my mother was, but in that moment her words only added to my mounting fear. I trudged back to my room, feeling defeated and helpless. The situation was out of my control and all I could do was muster up the courage to face my fears and attempt to get some rest. My tears fell silently as I lay there, overwhelmed by my isolation and terror and with no comfort from my indifferent mother. As I drifted off into sleep, my thoughts went to the swift's nest and the precious eggs nestled within, 
I really hoped I would get to see the chicks hatching before our holiday came to an end. Needless to say, my night was restless. I tossed and turned for most of it, unable to find a comfortable position to calm my nerves. The eerie hallway was only a few feet away, and my mother's warning played on repeat in my mind. I felt helpless and alone, unable to express my emotions without fear of being dismissed by my mother. Eventually, exhaustion took over and I surrendered to a deep sleep. It was short-lived, however. Just two hours in, I was abruptly awoken by a growl that seemed to come from right beside me. I jolted awake to find myself face to face with a pair of glowing red eyes. They belonged to a massive dog standing at my bedroom window. Its shaggy black fur and curled muzzle gave it a menacing look and its growls were low and ominous. The dog resembled an Irish wolfhound but its fur was jet black and ragged. I closed my eyes, hoping it was all just a nightmare. But when I opened them again, the dog had moved to the other side of the bed, still growling and staring at me with intense eyes. No matter which way I turned, the dog followed me, snarling and growling. I was trapped, alone with this beast. After several attempts to escape, I finally made a bold move and reached for the lamp on my bedside table. As the room flooded with light, the menacing growl stopped. I cautiously opened one eye and found to my amazement that my plan had worked. The monstrous dog was nowhere to be seen. Despite this, a shiver of fear still coursed through me. I was hesitant to turn off the light as it felt like its rays were a shield against the hulking beast. And I didn't dare fall asleep, afraid that I would be awakened by its wrathful howl again. I sat there in the glow for what felt like an eternity, contemplating the possibility of its existence and questioning whether or not it was just a figment of my imagination. After much deliberation, I came to the conclusion it had been a nightmare and that I had truly awoken only when I flicked on the lamp. The rest, it seemed, was nothing more than a dream. As I settled back into the bed, I switched off the lamp, feeling relieved that I had managed to calm my nerves and make sense of the bizarre incident. I had convinced myself that it was just my imagination running wild, turning my hallway fears into a dog-like figure and letting my anxiety get the best of me. Little did I know, I was completely mistaken. I had barely shut my eyes when the growling began once more. This time, it was louder and more ominous, coming from the foot of my bed. I desperately tried to remain as still as possible and prayed that whatever was making the noise would leave. But then I felt the mattress sag as something started to climb onto me. The growling only got louder as it drew nearer to me. Fear paralysed me as I felt a massive paw press against my leg through the covers, its claws digging into my flesh. It was right on top of me now, 
and I could feel its hot breath on my cheek. I wanted to scream, but I was too terrified to move. And then, without thinking, I opened my eyes. I was met with a pair of blood-red eyes. And I let out a scream that echoed through the room. In an instant, the sound of frenzied footsteps echoed down the hallway and abruptly the door to my room was thrown open. My mother discovered me huddled on my bed, wailing uncontrollably and trembling as I cast my gaze around the room. The dog had vanished and it seemed like it was for good this time. My mother consoled me while I did my best to recount everything to her and she tenderly wiped away my tears with her sleeve. However, she didn't believe me, chalking it up to a nightmare and insisting that dreams can't hurt you and that it's all in your head. The response was typical of her and to be quite honest, I was expecting it. After I stopped crying, she put me back to bed and to my amazement, I was able to fall asleep without any further drama. Initially, I believed the notion that dreams don't hurt you was true. It was proven to be false when I woke up with a throbbing pain in my thigh. The previous night, the black dog had viciously dug its paws into my leg, leaving a sizable bruise that made it difficult for me to move without hurting. For the remainder of our vacation in North Wales, I resorted to using my grandmother's hiking stick as a crutch to help me walk. In fact, there's a photograph of my brother and me standing beside a steam train a few days later, with me clutching the hiking stick tightly in my hand. Despite this setback, I thoroughly enjoyed the rest of our stay in the peaceful town of Morphinefin. Every evening, my brother and I would stroll along the beach and play in the sand. We even befriended some local children, and together we dug an enormous hole that we affectionately named The Bunker. Fortunately, I never encountered the menacing black dog again, and I switched to a room closer to my parents' room, which allowed me to rest easy for the remainder of our trip. And if you're wondering about the swift's nest, the babies hatched just two days before our trip ended, and we were greeted every morning until we left by the sound of very hungry, featherless chicks begging their parents for food. I didn't want to leave them, and sorrowfully waved goodbye to them when it was finally time for us to head back to our little South London home. My encounter with the black dog was an unforgettable and intimate experience. It wasn't until I shared my story with a college friend that I discovered the legendary status of these creatures across Wales and the UK. After conducting further research, I found images of the Welsh black dog, known as Gwilligi, that eerily resembled the one I saw that fateful night. According to folklore, encountering this creature at night is a sure sign of impending death. As I delved deeper into my family's history, I stumbled upon a fateful event, my great-great-granddad's sudden passing. I cross-checked the dates and spoke with my dad, and the truth hit me like a ton of bricks. Death had followed in the wake of that ominous night, claiming my great-great-granddad with a heart attack exactly 14 days later. 
Right, can I just say, Toby, if you ever tell me that you've seen a black dog in your bedroom, I will believe you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. And then I shall talk with Robert and we will get a plan of how to expel it from the house. (laughs) And then I will follow it up and I will cleanse the house with herbs (laughs) and all sorts of crazy witchy stuff yeah like I actually do need to cleanse the house I've been meaning to do it since all of the bad stuff happening recently Um, so I might do that tomorrow when you're out okay I don't smoke you all and you don't just think I'm a crazy woman yeah you can do it with me though if you like I'm right. No? <laughs> Actually, I'd probably like to cleanse both you and George and myself and anybody <sighs> else who comes into the house. So I might just stand by the by the front door waving smoking herbs at everybody. Yeah. Yeah? Before anybody comes in, they have to be herbed. By me. <laughs> do you think that would stop the door going every five minutes hopefully well you don't care it's me who has to get up and answer it <laughs> right we'll definitely be doing some more British folklore obviously we want to cover all sorts of folklore but let us know what you think and that is the end of this episode I hope you did enjoy please let us know what you'd like to hear yeah please give us a shout out on social media all the links as always are in the podcast notes take care everyone goodbye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.